If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to John 8:31. While you're turning to that, uh, Doyle and Joe nicely are back there. Would y'all stand up? These are our newest members. Would y'all stand up? Welcome, welcome. Our text today is one that you're very familiar with. Uh, the title of the message is The Freedom We Crave. If you'll look together with me at God's word. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered Jesus, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anybody. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Today I want to talk to you about a haunting story of death on a slave trip. Uh, there was a ship many, many years ago, uh, slave traders uh, transporting their cargo of human flesh to a different place. It was a seething cauldron of hate, fear, and resentment. You could feel the tension in the air. Those that were doing the work, the slaves that were being beaten, whipped, uh, bothered in so many different ways by the slave traders. It was just horrible. The condition in the hull of the ship was unspeakable. Some of the slaves had died because of their mistreatment. One day, a guard was careless. He was not paying a lot of close attention to what he was doing. And one of the slaves grabbed him. And the slave was so strong that he could break his neck with ease, which he did. And then he took the keys and he unlocked the leg irons uh, that he had on. And then he went one by one to the other slaves and released them. And then in the covering of night, they slipped up to the deck of the ship. And in very, very short order, the captain and all of the crew was murdered. At last, they thought, we are free. Finally, freedom has come. The ship was their own. They could do with it as they pleased. They quickly realized, however, that they didn't know how to navigate the ship. They had been bound men, now they were lost men. They knew nothing about a compass. They could not guide or direct the ship. They had seen the members of the crew playing with this little tiny instrument they called a compass. They assumed it was the crew's God, and so they all fell down and worshipped a while the compass. But it was all to no avail. They finally perished on a drifting ship in the open sea. 
This story is really a parable on our human condition. How often we destroy the very thing we seek by the manner in which we seek it. We rebel against the restraints, the limitations that others put upon us, the disciplines of life, if you will. In our day, we have witnessed an increasing number of children that just run away. One day they're there, the next day they're gone, and nobody knows where they are. They're just gone. They often end up on the streets of the city in great distress. What makes them run? Well, most psychologists tell us it's a desire for freedom. Freedom from the restraints, the supervision, freedom from the anxiety, the pressure, freedom from criticism, freedom from a lack of purpose. Sometimes, very seldom, the runaways leave for a justified reason. Sometimes it's the mother and dad, not Johnny who refuses to cut the apron string. Sometimes the runaway ends up like the prodigal son in the story that Jesus told. He left home in search of freedom. He had a release from the restraint that was there, the privilege of doing what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. But it didn't work out that way. The more he traveled, the less he arrived. The more he fed his hunger, the closer he came to famine. The more he did what he wanted to do, the less he wanted to do it. It wasn't freedom he found, but slavery in a pig trough. Freedom is one of God's choicest gifts. Man has longed for it, searched for it, fought and died for it. Almost everyone believes in freedom, at least for themselves. All men want to be free. Our veterans, as you know, have given their lives. Many have died on a foreign field. Many have died at sea. Many have crashed in a plane. They have given their lives that we as a country, we as individuals, might be able to be free. Let us never forget that God wills that all men would be free. When men discover their worth before God, they are no longer satisfied with slavery. Our Baptist love of liberty is based upon one primary purpose that God alone is free, having an unconditioned existence. Since man is created in God's image and divinely ordained for sonship and for eternal life, then God's freedom demands a free church, a free Bible, and a free man. Therefore, men must be free to choose and take responsibility For his choices. The little boy was overheard praying, Lord, if you can't make me better, don't let it bother you too much. I'm having a real good time just like I am. (laughs) 
You know, some need to be free and some don't. There are certain things we need to remember about freedom. Number one, all human freedom is limited. I'm not free to be you and you're not free to be me. I'm not free to change the color of my skin. I'm not free to uh, choose a different native intelligence. I'm not free from my biological family relationships. Everyone is born into a family that has a history of its own. We do not choose our parents. We're not free to do that. But in the final analysis, the quality of my life is determined by the free choices that I make along the way. I am free to be or not to be the person that God has intended me to be. Secondly, freedom really isn't free. Freedom has never been free from the beginning of mankind. It is one of the most costly things, in fact, in the whole world. It has been nurtured and safeguarded by so many for so long. Both political and personal freedom are costly and very, very demanding. We all remember September the 11th. We all remember those days of all the various wars and conflicts in which we've been involved. Today, many of our soldiers are fighting on foreign fields. It's not just something in the past. It's going on right this very moment for some of your relatives some of your children, some of your very close friends. Thirdly, freedom entails taking responsibility for oneself. No man is free who is not responsible. To be free is to possess the privilege of making my own choices and then answering for the consequences of those decisions. Fourthly, freedom's glory lies in its liberating man to claim his own divine destiny. Each one of us here this morning chooses where we are going to rest in eternity. We're going to rest in God or we're going to rest in a terrible place for all the years, all the days of the future. A terrible terrible place called hell and we certainly don't want that we certainly want to be a part of the family of God we want to be a part of the ministry that he puts before us to do our part to do what he has gifted us to do if God wills that men be free then how do we get it how do we reach out and touch it how do we become a part of it not all the roads that are marked freedom lead to freedom. There is the road of personal indulgence. Our forefathers fought and died for our political liberty, yet ironically, many in our day seem to equate liberty with that which is free and easy. They just take it for granted. They say, oh yeah, we're, we're all free. They just take it 
for granted. It's my life. I'll live it how I want to. Have you heard that a thousand times? I have. You know, kids that get in trouble, they always say the same thing. It's my life. I want to do what I want to do. I don't care about what you want. I want to do what I want to do. And that's the call that they give. Some adults say the same thing. This attitude is reflected everywhere in our society, and it can destroy both the individual and the nation. I've been thinking kind of out of the box some this week, and I want to share a thought or two with you at this point that I wonder if it uh, resonates uh, with you as it did me. For hundreds of years in churches, we sang the great hymns of the faith. We sang them in order. We sang them with dignity. We sang them so that you could understand the words, and the words could teach us theology, and the words could help us to grow in our Christian faith. And then it seems that uh, some folk Uh, wanted to change that. They wanted to rebel against that. They wanted to do a different thing. Uh, They felt like they were free and they were going to do what they wanted to do. And so they made the music much louder. Much, much, much louder. Have you ever been to a church where you literally had to put your hands over your ears? Uh, I have. Uh, it's unbelievable. You can't understand one word. Uh, the uh, leader of the music keeps saying, you know, to the sound guys, turn it up. Turn it up. I've noticed over these years that that uh, group is increasing and that a lot of people want to rebel against what has been to what is present today, the options that they have. I don't know if you eat out a lot. Uh, Cindy and I do. We eat all over the place. Uh, We like eating out. Uh, We go here, we go there. Uh, Ross and Rose took me out to eat this past week. We went to a place in Brandon. Uh, called the Forge Garage. Have any of you been there? Uh, let me tell you about the restaurant. <laughs> Used to be you would go to a nice restaurant and you would expect very nice food, very good food. And you would want to enjoy a time of eating and conversing and uh, having a wonderful time together and, and renewing acquaintances and all of that sort of thing. Well, if you want to do that, Uh, don't go uh, on Friday or Saturday night to Ford's garage because you can't hear somebody a foot away screaming at you. It's very, very loud. To me, it's kind of related to what has happened in some churches with their music. You know, folks are saying, you know, I've been so contained. I have been so reserved by the practices of our society. I want to demonstrate how I feel. You know, turn it up. Turn it up. You know, I think we're seeing this in our society, and I think there is a broad 
movement, not just in a few areas, but in a lot of areas. You know, the Republicans are running uh, Donald Trump in the lead right now. You know, we've never had anybody like Donald Trump before. Uh, We uh, watched Mitt Romney say almost apologetically that he was wealthy, and he made excuses about it. And now Trump tells us almost every time he talks, I am rich. I really have a lot of money. I make $400 million a year. On the Democratic side, we have a man named Bernie Sanders, who is a self-avowed socialist. You know, in the history of this country, I don't believe, I could be wrong, but I don't believe we have ever, ever had a candidate run under that label. I am a socialist. Well, you know, to me, that is just another way of looking at a revolt against what has been. Now, some of the things that have been, we want to leave behind. But some of the things that have been have made this the greatest country in the world. And praise God for all the people that have defended it and worked uh, to make it better and given their best in their whole life to it. I think we as a people need to kind of rethink how we're doing certain things in certain areas of our lives and not just be in the stance of saying, I don't want to do it that way anymore. They've done it that way for a long time. I want to do it this new way. I want to do it a different way. There's also the road of license. You know, some people, uh, I think, would like to take down all the stop signs and the stoplights. Uh, They don't want those up. You know, those slow them down. Uh, Those inhibit their uh, progress. You know, if we took all of those down, we would have tens of thousands of deaths in the first day. If my only measure is glandular indulgence or satisfaction of bodily appetites, then I become a slave of my lower nature. There's also the road of inner discipline. This is a road that I hope we're all on. There is no freedom anywhere in the world without it. It is either inner discipline or outer control. This is precisely what Jesus was talking about in our passage this morning. In John eight thirty one and following, basically, Jesus was saying there are two types of freedom. Freedom from external restraint and freedom from inner bondage. And as he talked with the folks that were right in front of him, he tried to get beyond what they were thinking to a new thought and a new discipleship in their lives. We long to do as we please. We desire to rule and not to be ruled. But the New Testament has very little to say about that kind of freedom. Neither Jesus nor any of his 
apostles ever had an opportunity to vote. Have you ever thought about that? They lived and died as members of an oppressed race. Paul, imprisoned by Caesar, spoke of freedom even in a dungeon. He said, the kind of freedom that I have will never end. All external freedoms, sweet as they might be, must be nourished and safeguarded by the freedom of an inner discipline. We have to do that if we're going to make our society what we want it to be. The passage from John's Gospel is set in the context of the Lord debating with the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. During these days, those three groups refused to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. They said it just can't be. It just can't be that. He must be doing these things under the power of Beelzebub, under the power of Satan. They had eyes, but they refused to see. He came to his own, but his own received him not. In chapter 8, John records a part of this controversy, our text today. He reveals three fatal flaws in the thinking of the Jewish leaders of that day. First, their conception of authority. They thought of authority in terms of the right to condemn, the duty to punish, and the opportunity to destroy. All true authority is borrowed from God. It is based upon responsibility and it is expressed in love and in service. That's the way we individually, as a church, as a city, as a county, as a state, as a nation, that's the way we ought to express ourselves. The second flaw was in their attitude toward people. They looked upon other people as the pawns that they could move around, tools, if you will, for their own purposes. Jesus thought of people not as numbers, not as objects, but as persons. And that's the way we ought to look at it. The minute people become things, Christianity is dead. God's authority is expressed in his love. The third flaw was in their understanding of freedom. Jesus had just declared that discipleship begins in faith, grows in knowledge of the truth, and results in freedom. Follow me, Jesus says. Follow me, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's what we all want. But the freedom comes in the context eternally with the Lord Jesus himself and only there. And we have to recognize that. We have to understand that. We have to appropriate those truths in our walk and in the walk of our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. A great many people think that Christianity is inhibiting, negative, restrictive. To me, it has been just the opposite. It has been liberating. 
It has allowed me to know the finest people on earth. It has been liberating in that I have been able to gather with some very loving, kind, wonderful people. It has been liberating in the sense that I have gotten to know some people of great knowledge that have been very open about sharing that knowledge with me. If you want to find yourself to discover who you are and what you are and where you are in the world, feel free today to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Feel free today to join his church because we in this hour have the freedom to do both. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. We're going to invite those that would like to trust in Christ to be their Savior to come forward and to do that. We're going to invite those that would like to come and join our fellowship, join this church, be a part of our family. We're going to invite you to do it. I'll be standing down here at the front waiting on you to come. Let's stand and sing together.